0: Audio Podcast Network.
1: Hello, history fans, and welcome to our month-long horrorween episodes. Yeah, that sounded as stupid as I thought it would. Don't worry. Are you calling people
0: whores, or are you saying horror horror? Oh, okay, horrorween. Honestly, if we're trying to take back the word whore, that's creative. Horrorween.
1: Yeah, I guess. We could go with that. We're not gonna get into it. (laughs) But, welcome to our Halloween episodes. This is episode one. We'll be doing four, because we're gonna do them throughout October, and there happens to be four Mondays in October. So, yeah.
0: I'm excited. This month, we are covering some felonious females,
1: some dangerous dames, some gruesome gals. I think Emily was a little disappointed in my intro. Don't worry. I was disappointed in my intro. I loved your
0: intro. I'm just two bottles in.
1: A bottle in. <laughs> She's
0: like, uh, alliteration. Yay. <laughs> I'm honestly impressed. I was able to come up with three alliterative yeah, that was, that was really phrases. Good. So, But yeah, you know what? Women's history is not just full of herstery heroes, it's full of history villains. Yeah. Couldn't think of an H. That wasn't whore, so I'm not going to go there. That's, that's whore is not, not an, an okay That's word.
1: not an H either. I, but it has a
0: sound. I know. Anyway, we're getting spooky, and honestly, this is super appropriate because Kelly and I initially bonded in our friendship over true crime, so oh, we're going to indulge crime. a little bit this month.
1: Who's that in my uh, chain pants?
0: Oh my God, you, you and your eyeliner. I literally at your wedding said Kelly had like this goth punk look and bitch and eyeliner. And I immediately knew I was not cool enough to be friends with her. <laughs> and yet here we are doing a podcast together. That's
1: lovely. Who knew? Remember, we're not friends out there. That's why.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but before we, well, actually, I picked our wine this week.
1: that's what I'm gonna go with. Just yep.
0: I I sometimes get the order sits
1: like over there, (laughs) so I don't have to smell it.
0: I sometimes get the order of the way we do things mixed up. So I was definitely um, hesitant, but I have been aching to buy this wine since we started the podcast because immediately we're like we're gonna do lgbtq plus month and we're gonna do felonious females for october that was the extent of the I mean, planning I don't think, for this podcast. i don't podcast. think we
1: ever said felonious females but well
0: you knew yes you knew you sensed it
1: i mean we, we said we were gonna do like halloween themed women yes
0: but i picked out A Chardonnay, a 2017 Washington State Chardonnay called Eve. Because who better to start out Halloween with Herstory's original bad girl who damned us all according to Christian mythology. Boom. So I'm going to read the description of this wine.
1: Whatever it says, it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
0: kelly we've already had some if you couldn't tell and kelly is not a fan i am not a fan kelly is not a fan but bear with us eve is pure tempting and undeniably washington state i don't know what that means
1: if you're from washington let us know
0: is it is it because pot is legal there is that what you're talking about
1: oh no isn't like washington big on apples like washington state isn't apples a thing there
0: oh shit maybe Okay. I know nothing about the country <laughs> I live in. I do not deserve to be a citizen. Anyway, with fresh, fruity flavors and a crisp, bright mouthfeel reminiscent of Washington State's famous apples, there oh! we go, <laughs> this dry Uh Uh-huh. Chardonnay has been winning awards ever since its grapes left the garden. Some say Adam and Eve taught the rest of us about good and evil, which explains how today we know damn well that our Eve Chardonnay is wickedly good. Kelly does not agree.
1: Honestly, I think what threw me off at first was the smell coming out of the bottle. It It does not It smells better now. Like, if you smell your glass, it smells better now that it's like aired out. But when we first opened the bottle, it smelled so bad. Like,
0: so bad. It has a very acidic smell, which is a little reminiscent of vomit.
1: Like, you know. Particularly, like, dog vomit is what I can, like, what it made me think of.
0: And we have dogs, so we know dog vomit. But here, you know, it's very dry. I don't quite get some of
1: those hints, but it's drinkable. I'll drink it. It it actually almost has like no taste and then like a hint of acidity at the end. Yeah, it's got a... It's It's very interesting. It's bitter
0: on the back end because the snake seemed like such a good friend and then he was kind of a dick at the end. So there we go. It's uh all appropriate. So... I don't know if uh, Kelly has something specific she would like to cheers to, but... I started last time. How about you do this, time? Okay. I would like to cheers to... You know what? My boyfriend's mother is in town, and she has been helping out around the house. This doubles as my say their name okay. a little bit. I have another one, but she's been in town. She's been helping out around the house. We've got a bunch of projects, and so I had a really shitty day... I left a sobbing voicemail with oh. the veteran, with the VA clinic, which was not my proudest moment. Um, and I came home, and Jared and his mom had done a bunch of stuff in the basement. They'd done a bunch of work, and I was, I almost started like having another emotional breakdown, but you're for joy like, this you're time. You're just like,
1: I need to go to the bathroom and cry for a minute. Yeah.
0: So honestly, cheers. To help from people who love you. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good cheers. Clink. That was a strong one. Oh, that's just not a good wine. (laughs) So I do have a say their name this week and it's not necessarily a person and but it's a an a company organization. I don't think they're nonprofit. Probably not. But uh
1: no, because their profits half their profits are going to NAMI, I believe.
0: Okay, so we're giving a whining about history shout out to Ya Good. They are a company that is creating apparel that starts a conversation about mental health. So they actually just had their, like, opening day this last week, week or yeah, two? Monday, I think. And, um... They're What they're doing is they're selling shirts that say, you good question mark, because how often does someone ask you, hey, are you doing okay? And you just go, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I, l- I literally did that today. And... Their whole goal is to start a conversation about mental health and to build those support networks so people have someone to turn to when they're really struggling right. so that they don't do something that they're going to regret. Yep.
1: And they're going to have days where they want everyone that's purchased a shirt to wear the shirts. Like, so it's like a big, basically like a walking flash mob of people wearing these shirts to get it out there more. And so like to show that, you know, this isn't just one or two people. This is all of these people together, like, you know, people are
0: willing to talk about this. Exactly. And so Kelly and I have already ordered our shirts because they're fucking awesome. And they've got a great message. My husband his-
1: ordered one too. Cause he was like, I support this. Oh, well he
0: was at the, this ties into yeah. the end of our last episode too. We did the suicide awareness walk and he was there. He's yeah. been there every year. Yep. He's very supportive. And I appreciate that. Yes, He makes us smoothies and he supports us in our mental health. He made me one This
1: morning. Cause he was home from work. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, you should be.
0: But I'm just going to read a quick little excerpt from their site. You good? It's a simple question. So just ask. We're here to address mental health awareness and the stigma, change the world, become a part of the movement. So it's really about raising awareness for mental health, that people struggle with this alone because you can't see it. And just creating an openness and a dialogue. So shout out to them. We really appreciate that they're working on that yeah, and that
1: they're it's
0: kind of a different way to approach it yeah
1: it's i think and it's I something think, we I can think all it get could behind be very successful
0: and my only suggestion is that they come out with women's tees
1: <laughs> it's Although all unisex I, I, bought the, I bought the baseball tee because i love that's the same kind i have for the out of the darkness like i, I just love that style you look good in those
0: i got Thank the you. i got the basic unisex one but <laughs> when that's they what justin got to when they come out with a woman's cut I'm deaf ordering another well, and one. Well, I'm
1: hoping they'll, you know, they're just starting. So I'm sure it's kind mm-hmm. of a see how popular they are. But you know, I'm hoping eventually they'll expand their color range. Cause right now it's the one is just black with white lettering. And then the other one is like gray and black with black lettering. I think. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, you should go check them out. You know, if you're up to having conversations about that, buy a shirt. I think it'll be it'll be good. And, you know, actually,
0: I was wearing my Out of the Darkness walk yeah, shirt the at the dog park one time. And I, I might have mentioned this in an episode way back, but it was around Memorial Day. And there was a woman who was a veteran in Vietnam. And Hello, we just covered a Vietnam veteran woman in the last episode. Why didn't I talk should, about that? You
1: should go to the dog park and try and find her again and be like, can I interview you? Right.
0: But basically, she saw my shirt and she's like, I'm so glad you're wearing that because no one ever talks about that stuff. And And we had this incredible dialogue and I feel like we both felt heard because I know I struggle with it. She probably, she was telling me about some veterans groups and things like that. And it was really cool. So you never know what kind of impact you're going to have. And if you can just wear a bitchin' shirt and have an impact, why not? Right. But that's my say their name. And, uh... Now, out of the positive part of our podcast, we're going to get into some dangerous ladies. Yeah. Okay. So I know you've already heard me talk for like 20 minutes, but I'm going first this week. So bear with me. I am covering Diamond Annie and the 40 Elephants. I've been
1: really curious about this ever since you texted me and was like, are you covering this person? I'm like, I have no idea who that person was. And I didn't Google. No, I lied. I did Google it like briefly just to like see like okay, what did she do like brief snippet-hmm because I was like, I shouldn't cover something similar and then I'm covering something similar anyways. <laughs> Our friendship but, like
0: yeah. intuitiveness just kicked in hardcore. Right. Whenever we do like theme months, we're
1: so we're very insane. into. I mean we're pretty in tune normally, but like theme months are even worse. It's like I have one of your
0: organs. Like, that's so like how in tune we are. A little bit. We definitely like share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the favorite part of my brain. Yeah. All right.
1: It's like it's my favorite bra.
0: I have been so excited to cover this story. Here's the thing. It's a little bit about the organization she was a part of and her. I so get it. Mine's the same. It way. might not flow as nicely as I'd like it to, but just we're going to get into this. This is awesome. Okay. So inequality between men and women can be seen in every area of our society, even in the crime world. However, one gang showed the world that women may be made of more spice than sugar. I know I am. Getting ambient with this. While we romanticize Victorian England, it wasn't without its issues, like a disturbingly persistent rape culture, sexism, and crime. Thanks to the Industrial Revolution, Britain was seeing fast-paced change. People from rural communities flocked to the cities to fill labor positions, which led to rapid, urba- rapid urbanization and the explosion of slums. Because everyone's flooding in. No one has any money. They need to yeah, have a roof over too. their head.
1: Basically, any Industrial Revolution, that's what happens. There
0: are- You're absolutely right. There are so many correlations between... Britain's Industrial Revolution and our own. So the slums were filled with people from all different religions, political, ethnic, and social backgrounds. While this could have been a great opportunity for everyone to expand their horizons, crippling poverty led to conflict as people were fighting just to carve out their place and survive. No one had time to think... I'm going to get to know my Polish neighbors. They were like, I need to fucking eat and they feed my children. They were like, my I children. speak the
1: same language as those people. I'm sticking with them and we're going to get shit done.
0: And let's be honest, if I moved to another country where no one except the small community spoke English, I would stick with them hardcore because yeah, I'm happens, terrified. Right. So, surprise, surprise, this led to an increase in organized crime and thus the infamous London street gangs were born.
1: Ooh.
0: There were over 200 gangs who carved up territories Jeez. across London and while terrorizing the general population. London's
1: big enough. That- yeah.
0: It's a massive city. Right. And there's so many different- Well, there's different- so many
1: like sides. Like, it's not organized. Like, this isn't like one of those cities that they kind of started in a grid pattern like here in our town and then it kind of gets wonky the farther you go out. No, London's <laughs> just wonky from the beginning. Yeah.
0: So, when they weren't terrorizing the general population, they were at war with each other. Gang If you have seen the underappreciated Peaky Blinders, check it out on yeah, Netflix. Real, real you know what I'm talking about. So, I, I looked up some of the gangs and I wrote down my favorite names. So, some of the gangs' best names were Damned Crew, Get Money Gang, which <laughs> I like one? their name as their mission statement. Right? It's transparency. You only need one thing to remember. Yeah, dem Africans, <laughs> thatched hu- <laughs> thatched house thugs,
1: gas gang. Did they light things on fire?
0: See, I was thinking they were all very flatulent. Yeah, <laughs> they stole beans exclusively. <laughs> the Crab Hill Mob, Peckham Boys. Oh. Skrilla Kids, <laughs> which I always think is like a modern day slang, but no, Skrilla Kids. And then Sin City Fam. I like that one. I would join that one. I left my favorite for the end. Good. Like Sin City Fam. Hashtag Sin City Fam. I love it. Right.
1: And of course... Let's revive the gang.
0: <laughs> we're going to start our own people. gang, but it's all going to be about female empowerment, and it's going to be called hashtag Sin City Fam. Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course, the 40 Elephants who we're covering. What made the 40 Elephants so unique w- was that while other gangs were primarily run and comprised of men... They were an all-female crime syndicate—the awesome. sexiest of all syndicates. Oh my! They
1: had matching leather outfits. It was great.
0: They were they—they they always talked about their feelings after okay. after a crime rate. Right? Like, hey, how do you, you know, feel? They all synced up
1: at them in the month. They were all very supportive of each yeah, other. Was <laughs> there
0: was like one week every month where they were super wretched and just yeah. killing everyone. Yeah.
1: When their hideout would be, like, full of junk food and ice cream. Yes.
0: They advocated for no tax on menstrual (laughs) products, though, so you got to give them props. We're not
1: being super stereotypical. No. I like ice cream any time of the month. Yes. I mean,
0: (laughs) ice cream fueled Betty Babe to victory. Callbacks are fun. not
1: 16 anymore, my boss. does, I can't metabolize like she did. Yeah. It also might be because I'm not, you know, sprinting 100 meters anymore.
0: Anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, i that part. definitely not doing the work. So being women gave the 40 elephants a unique advantage. First of all, no one suspected women of criminal activity. Exactly. I
1: was gonna say they probably flew pretty much under the radar.
0: They are the fair sex. Yeah, we are. So they were largely able to move throughout the world undetected. Second of all, they were—they turned horrible women's fashions into weapons of criminal mastery. Members would raid West End shops wearing specially altered coats, dresses, bloomers, cummerbunds, muffs, and other fashion don'ts that had secret pockets sewn into them. In at least one case, a woman sported a false arm. So she had another arm to, like, steal shit. That's awesome. Women go into the shops posing as shoppers and shove merch into their clothes. It only took a few minutes to steal thousands of pounds worth of goods and pounds as in money. Yeah. Maybe weight. Kilograms. <laughs> Words. Metric system. Yay. Yay. These goods included silks and fur coats, which were extremely valuable between world wars. Those were hot commodities. Right. Super sexy commodities. And I think this is why there are no pockets in modern women's clothing. Right. They were
1: like, fuck you. No more stealing. (laughs) We
0: abused the privilege. (laughs) We could not be trusted. This ingenious method of thievery exploited the fact that women's bodies were seen as shameful and no one would search them anyway. So here's the thing. Even if you think a lady stole some stuff, you weren't going to pat her down because touching her is a sin. Right. Thanks, Eve. One woman got caught only because she ran out of a store carrying a box of rings and literally ran into a police officer. And she had and like gu- if 45 carrying rings.
1: it, so I'm guessing like, yes. you know, it was in her hands.
0: She she got a little excited and she just pieced out of that store and right. immediately ran headlong into a police officer. That would be me. Yeah. One police report described the 40 elephants, quote, like a gang of locusts, unquote, that would descend upon an area and strip it within an hour. Very efficient. Yeah. Very professional forty 40- everything in sight. Yes. <laughs> I mean, hello. I can relate. <laughs> the 40 elephants also weaponized their sexuality. When men would try to seduce them, the gang members would extort money in exchange for not telling the men's wives. So basically like, you're a sketchy pervert. Give me money. Which like respect. Right.
1: Like, I feel like, oh, that. you're
0: being a trash
1: bag. Let me just go talk to your wife. Yeah.
0: You know, I could, you could give me some money or I could go tell your wife you're a piece of garbage. I'm just, it's a choice. It's up to you, you know, but give me money. Some of the other operations they pulled included posing as maids in, in homes of wealthy families mm-hmm. where they would proceed to steal everything that wasn't nailed down. So they get like That's false awesome. credentials yeah. and references, get in the house. And then by the morning, it's like, where's my
1: silver chamber pot? What am I going to shit in now? <laughs> the maid's hat? Oh." Where is the maid? Yeah, (laughs) I guess I will shit in her hat.
0: Yeah, the forty elephants were powerful and forced smaller gangs to pay tribute to them in exchange for not getting fucked up.
1: They were still that they were just as dangerous as other gangs. Mm -hmm. That they were still like, hey, you're within our territory. You better pay us protection.
0: And that was kind... I mean, that's kind of a hallmark with gangs. You have an area in which you're operating your business. Yeah, but it's it's still
1: cool to see that, like, the women did. Because, you know, you might think, oh, all the other male gangs are going to be like, they're women. Like, I'm not, you know... I bet all it took is them fucking up one male gang that the other gangs in their territory were like, nah, here's the money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the 40 elephants would cut a bitch. They were so successful that they operated for over 200 years. So I found... So they were officially recorded like in the newspaper in the 1800s, but some people were like, no, they've been operating since the 1700s. Yeah. Wow. And we're kind of in the Victorian England area. So one of the most infamous members was Alice Annie Diamond, the queen of the 40 elephants. This next part is straight taken straight from Wikipedia, and I promise by the end it will make more sense. Because halfway through reading this, I was like, what "The fuck are they talking about?" It comes, it comes around. <laughs> it comes around. "Quote: Diamond was born Alice Elizabeth Black in Lambeth Workhouse Hospital to Thomas Diamond and Mary Ann Alice Blake." Her parents had applied for a maternity birth under the name of Black before they were married to avoid the stigma of an illegitimate birth. However, as they married shortly before Alice was born, this also avoided the problem. So basically, Alice was conceived before her parents were married, but then before she was born, they married. But So she's got like a weird name. Yeah. So they changed her name to avoid a scandal, but it didn't matter because they got married. And yeah, this is why all that like wedlock bastard marital crap is bullshit. Just saying. So Alice's name gets even more convoluted. Her mother changed her own name from Mary Geary to Mary Black when she married. I don't know why. The dude's, name was, the dude's name was Thomas Diamond. <clears throat> but that's actually a good point. That might be the
1: the kid's last name. You know, her name was Black.
0: Right. Which is where the Black in Alice's name came from. So Alice's mother would randomly also add Anne to Alice's name, which is probably why she eventually became known as Diamond Annie. Uh. Although Alice was also the eldest of seven kids, so maybe her mom just could not keep them all straight. And she's like, Alice, Annie, whatever the fuck your name is, get over here and do some laundry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so we always talk about how important names are, and her name had kind of a weird story, so I want to include it. So her nickname is Diamond Annie. If you're looking her up, maybe use that name, but I'm going to refer to her as Alice because, one, that's her birth name. Two, that's, like, one of my favorite names, and it's the fake name I always give at bars when creepy guys ask me what my name is. Yep. So... Alice's father was a repeat violent offender, having had assaulted the son of the Lord Mayor of London by punching his head through a glass pane. So it's no surprise that Alice turned to crime. When she was 16, she and a friend, who would later marry a gangster too, got caught stealing chocolate. She would continue to steal, only getting better at it. And would use aliases to conceal her identity until she was officially declared by police and, and the newspapers as queen of the 40 elephants. But was she actually part of the order?
1: She 40 was. Ele- okay.
0: Yeah, no, she, so. She so that's was- why I wanted
1: to double check. I was like, was she actually part of the organization or did they just name her that?
0: Here's the thing. I'm sure she was queen long before, but then the cops and the newspaper caught actually, up like, and they're picked like. picked up on it, yeah. They crowned her. They crowned her big time. Alice had great leadership skills. She organized large shoplifting operations. Well, yeah, when
1: you're fucking the eldest of seven children. Like, Honestly. Of course you have good leadership skills. She would, like Sybil Luddington.
0: She would have been a great project manager. Because she could, she could coordinate a lot of moving right? pieces. Because she would organize large shoplifting operations all over London's West End. And eventually Ooh, would fancy. expand outside of London. Ooh. She is running a large operation so this is all kind of happening in the victorian era but then uh in the 1920s came a real game changer the auto cars allowed the 40 elephants to cover more ground and the gang tricked out their cars to be faster than that of the police so they could make a quick getaway this ushered ushered in the gang's golden era so they're not only exploiting sexism but they're taking advantage of new technology and then making their stuff better than the
1: cops. So it's like you can try Which to catch great, me cuz they feel like it. You know what I mean? Like so the right. cops probably aren't expecting that. Exactly.
0: Alice and the 40 elephants didn't just know how to work, they knew how to party too. The gang was known for throwing the littest of parties. They'd roll up decked out in furs, jewels and all the fineries that were becoming of such enterprising ladies yeah because they stole it right well a girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do okay we're not advocating crime here but like you got to admit this is impressive as hell it is alice was particularly glamorous and an imposing figure uh she was five
1: eight i don't know if that was with her without heels a little bit taller than me (laughs) how tall are you Shit, seriously? Yeah, well, like 5'5.5". Five, five five. Oh, I didn't know you were that tall. I'm like 5'1". Yeah, you're tiny. I'm a
0: shrimp. She is one inch l- shorter than my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and true to her name, she would wear diamond Diamonds. rings on both hands. So her jazz hands were super
1: lit. Super sparkles.
0: They also came in handy as uh, impromptu brass knuckles yep. when she decked people. Because she was not afraid to throw the fuck down. All of the 40 elephant members were violent when confronted and frequently had to fight rival gangs, the police, and cat callers. So I like to think. That was my little. Yeah,
1: I like to think editorial. that someone cat calls them and they walk across the street and punch them in the face.
0: And then make the guy give them money to right. not tell their wife. <laughs> Alice remained a single lady, though she did date the leader of an allied gang named Burt McDonald. The guy's name was Burt McDonald. That was not the gang name. That would be a really stupid fucking gang name.
1: It's kind of not a great person name either.
0: Yeah. Instead of like Skrilla Fam. Come on, man. Get your shit together. Sin City Fam. Sin City Fam. That was it. They may have been criminals, but the newspapers were having a love affair with these glam gals. They were always reporting on the 40 Elephants criminal activities, but, like, in a super flattering way. Right. Like, oh, my God, these women are being, like, criminals and stealing all this stuff. That's so cool because they're women. It was almost a novelty. Yeah. Because women didn't do that. Um. So they did this to the point where the cops actually had to ask journalists to stop giving them publicity. The cops are like, you are giving them too much credit. Fucking stop. Because we are trying to stop them. (laughs) Like you realize they're stealing shit, right? But they're so cool. Stop it. The cops really had no power over the 40 elephants. Even when Alice was convicted for attacking a rival gang in 1925, she continued to run the show from behind bars. Nice. Also, right? Very Al Capone. By the way, the attack became known as the Battle of Lambeth, in which Alice led an army of ladies armed with chunks of concrete and broken bottles. Needless to say, they wrecked shit. This, is,
1: this was against another gang? Yeah, th- nice.
0: this was like a, a confrontation between the 40 elephants and a rival gang in which the ladies threw chunks of concrete and killed people with broken bottles. Like,
1: So oh, being general badasses.
0: Yeah, yeah, very violent, shouldn't glorify it, but like, come on.
1: We're not glorifying it, we're just telling the
0: story. I'm just stating facts that these incredible women killed a bunch of... No. (laughs) So not only was the risk of jail time worth the reward of all the money they were raking in, it was much better than the alternative, which was abject poverty, starvation, survival sex work, and whatever other horrible things you can imagine.
1: like marrying someone like... 20 times your age.
0: Who's abusive and a piece of shit and, like, pumps babies into you. Yeah. Many of the gang members came from horrible living situations and turned to crime out of necessity. Even Alice's younger sister, Louisa, became a member. The fact that women had even fewer opportunities than men also didn't help. So, like, men in the same situations were still better off than these women. Yeah, they
1: still had options.
0: Yeah. So it was it's bullshit it was almost
1: a necessity thing yeah but it's they did such awesome
0: <laughs> i'm kind of in love with these right? ladies. i am i, too. I keep can, trying can to I say just,
1: like, go back to that era skip the shitty childhood part and just join the gang right like i can shoplift i can be like oh hi there oh i'm just gonna look over oh i'm just browsing i'm just
0: browsing shove stuff into your muff right god damn i love you so alice annie diamond's reign came to an end when she was released from prison though she had been running things from behind bars another gang member named lillian rose kendall who looks like a villainous betty Boop, like she's adorable and terrifying at the same time uh so she had stepped up in alice's absence so even though alice was running shit uh, Lillian she was like, a was second like in command. Lillian was there to actually like enforce stuff, yeah. and she was on the ground. Alice recognized Lillian for her energy and criminal creativity, and passed the crown to Lillian because
1: uh, empowered women empower women. I thought you are going to say they, they with had crime. some like fucking showdown. But no, that's, awesome. that's no. super awesome. That she's like, you know what? I'm getting older. You're doing great. You have some new ideas. You take it from here.
0: Yeah, like fresh blood. Girl, I see you. I love what you're doing. You look like a creepy Betty Boop. And
1: it's not like she couldn't probably retire comfortably.
0: Well, after leaving the gang, Alice founded a brothel and became a bit of a mentor to new criminal ladies, sharing her best shoplifting tips. So she was like kind of a living legend.
1: Inducted new members to the 40 Elephants almost.
0: I don't. I couldn't find a ton about her post-gang life, but I'm sure she was still, like, close and respected. Because she didn't, there was no war, there was no battle. No. She was just like, Lillian, girl, you got this. Right. I'm gonna go do my thing, but if you
1: ever need some tips, I'm here. Right, I like that she's still helping women, because sex workers in brothels are safer than they are out on the street. That's true in olden days, it's true now yeah you know and so in a way she's you know taking these women in being like hey i'll give you a place you know you can still do what you're doing but i'll give you a place to sleep probably meals like i'll make sure you don't get killed and like we're kind of making that up we i don't know i'm assuming
0: but i like to think she was a pretty chill madam
1: like Dolly, headcanon. Headcanon. Yes, like, Dolly Parton, like Dolly Parton, Hearstree Headcanon. Yes, like Dolly Parton and Adams, like Dolly Parton in the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Oh if you God, you haven't damn. seen that movie? It's a musical with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds, and it's fantastic. So even though Alice
0: had left the gang, she did not lose her edge. Um. She was the kind of lady who bowed to no one, including Nazis. Yes, Nazis are even in this fucking story. They're everywhere. But when London was being evacuated in World War II due to just generally being bombed to hell, Alice refused to leave. She's like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm comfortable. I've worked in like a good butt indent in my chair and I'm not leaving. Unfortunately, the gang's power and influence began to fade after Alice left in the 1950s as store security improved and full Victorian skirts became more conspicuous. The gang couldn't keep up their typical tactics. That combined with decreased membership due to more educational and work opportunities for women. Which is great. Do we see a correlation here when right. women have opportunities, they don't steal your shit? Uh, so that Shocking. seemed to... Sealed the 40 elephants' fate, and they were relegated to being lovingly remembered by lady podcasters. Yay. Alice's reign. As one of the most badass babes on the face of the planet came to an end at 55 years old when she contracted multiple sclerosis and died on April 1st of 1952. So around the time the 40 elephants were fading into obscurity, she also passed away. And I kind of hope that everyone thought this was like the most epic prank because she died on April Fool's Day. I really hope so, too. I really. Like, I hope the cops were still waiting for the next year. We're, like, waiting for her to resurface. They're like, there's no way that chick is dead. There's no way. The devil would take her. There's
1: ways to ensure people are dead.
0: (laughs) So legacy Yay! the 40 elephants exploited sexism and the idea that their bodies were shameful to rise up in the world when their options were crime or poverty it's not surprising that so many women turned to crime making the 40 elephants one of london's most prolific gangs alice herself enjoyed wealth and luxury she wouldn't have otherwise had access to That's she's coming true from for most of them Exactly. They're all coming from shitty home lives. And it's like, hey, either maybe work in this factory and scrape by and hopefully not die of disease. Or, you know, or things
1: shooting off of things and killing you. Roll up to the
0: club dressed in furs and diamonds. While we're not advocating for crime or gangs, it's important to acknowledge the part that socii- the societal structure and sexism had to play in the 40 Elephants' existence and success. Because when people have access to education and opportunities, they're like, hey, maybe I won't join a gang. And we can still learn that lesson today. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing, though, like poverty.
1: Like on the whole, yes. Not everybody, but on the whole. (laughs) On the whole.
0: So also, there are talks that the BBC is going to create a series based on Alice and the 40 Elephants. Oh, that would be sweet. I would and watch you the show. We of are that. here for that. I am s- I would watch the shit out of that. I just said that. I know, but I'm emphasizing okay. in my repetition and my <laughs> drunkenness. And my exaggerated hand motions that our I know, listeners like, can't
1: see. I'm worried you're going to spill your
0: wine. I'm so in control right now, swishing my wine back and forth, and I kind of can't stop. Okay, I'm done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: we're done. But that is the story of Alice Diamond Annie... And the 40 elephants. See,
1: now I, like, feel bad because yours was, like, actually all about women where there's only, like, one woman in my, in my story and then a bunch of dudes.
0: It is a story worth telling, though, because she was a woman who rose up in an ocean of dudes. Swimming in of- dudes. And oh, she kept
1: her head above water. The screen is so bright. I did not do what I wanted it to do. I'm just going to deal with the brightness. All right. So I... I'm covering half of an infamous duo, which means I'm covering the infamous duo, <laughs> because that's how it works. So I'm co- covering Bonnie Elizabeth Parker, the Bonnie part of Bonnie and Clyde. Here's the thing. She's so well known,
0: but I don't know a lot of details about her life. And like, I honestly, like very I, excited. I only
1: knew the overview of their crimes, even. Mm-hmm. And they died in a different way than I thought they died. <laughs> really? Yes. I'm so
0: jazzed right now. But I
1: mean, it might be the way you thought they died. It's just not the way I thought
0: they died. And let me just say, this is our like herstory synchronicity, you know, like two gang ladies that we're covering. We did not plan
1: this. No. All right. So Bonnie Elizabeth Parker was born on October 1st, 1910. So appropriate. right? In Rowena, Texas to Emma and Charles Parker. She had an older brother and a younger sister and when she was just 4 years old her father passed away and her mother moved the family to an impoverished suburb of Dallas known as Cement City oh my god to live um with Bonnie's grandparents I'm sure that place was just dandy Bonnie attended the local schools there and was a bright student who showed a keen interest in poetry and literature earning honors in her study Of a decidedly diminutive stature and thought to be exceptionally pretty, because of course, she had dreams of becoming an actress. And in her youth, there was no signs that the criminal path was to be her fate.
0: I was going to say the story is starting out like a lot of the other herstory heroes we've covered. She's smart.
1: She's bright. She's pretty. And then it all just kind of goes downhill. In her second year of high school, Parker met... uh, ray thornton they dropped out of school and were married on september 25th 1926 six days before her 16th birthday Ew. with bonnie having gotten a tattoo of their names on her right thigh to celebrate their romance oh okay this is a public service announcement for
0: everyone i don't care how in love you are if you are not related to someone do not get their name tattooed right. on you i don't care you know what,
1: even if you're married don't get their name tattooed no, on
0: no, you. Exactly. If you are, if they're not like your mother or your sister or, or your, your grandma your or your cousin, do not get their name tattooed on you. Please, I beg of
1: you. Like right. your body, your choice, but don't do it. <laughs> um, their marriage proved to be a tumultuous one, however, with Thornton proving to be physically abusive. He, it was also marked by his frequent absences and brushes with the law, and it proved to be short lived. They never divorced, but their p- paths never crossed again after January 1929. However, she still was wearing his wedding ring when she died. Weird. Thornton was still in prison when he heard of her death and he commented, quote, I'm glad they went out like they did. It's much better than being caught, end quote. Hmm. So after their separation or, you know, him going to jail, They're parting whatever. Ways. Their non-divorce divorce. Um their theoretical divorce (laughs) bonnie went on to live with her mother again um and worked as a waitress in dallas one of her regular customers was postal postal worker ted hinton um who would eventually serve as a member of the posse that would end up killing bonnie and clyde weird yeah that's insane Um, small world Several accounts describe um, Bonnie and Clyde's first meeting. The most credible sources state that they met on January 5th, 1930 at the home of one of Clyde's friends, Clarence Clay, um, in a neighborhood in West Dallas. Um, Clyde was 20 years old and Bonnie was 19 at the time. Bonnie was out of work and staying with a female friend to assist her during her recovery of a broken arm. Literally doesn't say how she broke her arm. Just was like, oh, yeah, she had a broken arm. She was flipping someone off. She was flipping off a cat
0: collar and she flipped them off so hard that she broke her own arm. Right.
1: Um, History headcanon. Bonnie dropped by the girl's house while... Or not Bonnie. Clyde dropped by the girl's house while Bonnie was making hot chocolate in the kitchen and both were smitten immediately. Chocolate does that to people. Right. Particularly me. Most historians believe that Bonnie joined... Clyde, because she fell in love with him and she remains his most loyal companion as they carried out their many crimes and awaited the violent death which they viewed as inevitable. (laughs) After spending much time together during during the the following weeks after they met, their budding romance was interrupted when Clyde was arrested and convicted of several criminal charges pertaining to auto theft. So he was a car thief. No bueno. And once back in prison, Clyde's thoughts immediately turned to escape. By this time... He and Bonnie had fallen deeply in love, and Clyde was overtaken by heartache. Sharing his sentiments, much to the dismay of her mother, a lovesick Bonnie was more than willing to help the man she called her soulmate, and soon after his conviction, she smuggled a gun into the prison for him. Oh, Bonnie, no. Right? On March 11th, 1930, Clyde used the weapon to escape with his cellmates, but they were captured a week later. His cellmate. Oh, no, all of them, apparently. Clyde was then sentenced to 14 years of hard labor, eventually being transferred to East Ham State Farm, which is a prison, um, where apparently he was repeatedly sexually assaulted by another inmate. He has some serious issues with this prison
0: throughout the story. I've heard bits and pieces about Clyde's history, and it's all in all, it's like, man, no wonder he was so fucked up because... I mean, he was
1: a criminal before that. Yeah, but... had a rough start to life very
0: bad things have happened oh, yeah. to him and you can't help but just be like that sucks that's right. awful
1: in february 1932 clyde was finally released from prison when his mother successfully convinced the judge in his case to grant him parole however not knowing of his imminent release and hoping to be relieved from east east ham's harsh regimen clyde had his big toe and part of another toe cut off in an Accident just days before his release, he would walk with a permanent limp and be forced to drive in his socks. Jeez, never underestimate the power of mams, though. Right? Um, Clyde and Bonnie reunited, and Clyde then embarked on a crime spree with a small group of men robbing banks and small businesses. Woo-hoo. On April nineteenth, jo- Bonnie joined in on a hardware store burglary, and her and another member of the gang um, were captured. Um, during this burglary where they had intended to steal firearms. Oh, shit. While she awaited trial, she passed the time by writing poetry, much of which chronicled her relationship with Clyde. Among Bonnie's collection of later found writings is The Trail's End, whose last stanza uh, seems to foretell their fate. Quote, Someday they'll go down together, and they'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief, to the law a relief, but it's the death for Bonnie and Clyde holy shit yeah
0: that is spooky that's really eerie i don't like it
1: (laughs) bonnie was released from jail in a few months after the grand jury failed to indict her the other member that was um captured at the same time was tried convicted and served time and never rejoined the gang side note he learned his lesson maybe
0: question mark hopefully
1: right wd jones a member of clyde's family joined Bonnie and Clyde on Christmas Eve 1932 at the age of 16. So he's significantly younger than them. He's just a baby. Right. And all three of them left Dallas. And the next day, Jones and Clyde murdered Doyle Johnson, a young family man, while stealing his car in Temple, Texas. Clyde then killed Tarrant County Deputy Sheriff Malcolm Davis on January 6th when he, Bonnie, and Jones wandered into a police trap set for a different criminal Oh, my God. What? Yep. What are the chances? Right. On March 22nd, 1933, um, Bonnie, Clyde and Jones were hiding out in Joplin, Missouri, when Clyde's brother Buck and his wife Blanche, which is a phenomenal name. I do um, like that name went to live with them. Apparently, Blanche and Buck attempted to persuade Clyde to surrender to law enforcement, but I don't think they tried too hard. The group was known to be loud and have hold alcohol-fueled card games late into the night in a quiet neighborhood. Um, the men came and went noisily at all hours, and Clyde accidentally fu- fired his bar, which is a barrow-assisted rifle, I believe, in the apartment while cleaning it. No neighbors went to the house, but one, one reported suspicions to the joplin police department
0: wait so he's cleaning his apartment and you know he's ax- cleaning his gun oh okay
1: i was like and fired it on accident i was like
0: did you think the gun was a broom and accidentally no.
1: discharged um. is that how you're killing your dust in your house <laughs> it doesn't work that way clyde <laughs> it's not how that works the police eventually assembled a five-man force in two cars to confront what they had suspected as bootleggers because at this time Missouri hadn't gotten over prohibition yet. Um so thank they, god prohibition died right. otherwise we could not have this podcast right? Right. legally. Um So when the police got there a shootout a shootout began and the Barrow brothers and Bonnie opened fired killing detective McGinnis outright and fatally wounding constable Harriman. Bonnie opened fired with with the bar. <laughs> The gun that, you know, he accidentally the, the fired. The broom. Yep. As the <laughs> others fled, forcing Highway Patrol Sergeant GB Kaler to duck behind a large oak tree. The 30 caliber bullets from the bar struck the tree and forced wood splinters into the sergeant's face. Oh. Parker then got into the car with the others as they pulled out the driveway. Then they had to pull Blanche in from the street where she was pursuing her dog, Snowball. What?! Don't kill the dog. No, she was running after it to try and like catch it to bring with. I know, but like... And so they just grabbed her and left the dog.
0: Tell me the dog lives. I have no idea. The dog lives. Hershey head cannon. I decree it.
1: The surviving os- officers later testified that they had had fired only fourteen rounds in the conflict. One hit Jones in the side. One struck Clyde, but was deflected by his suit coat button. How fucking lucky is that? That's like, do you ever hear those stories yeah.
0: where someone like has something in their breast pocket and it deflects a bullet? Right, like a Bible or something. And it's like, yeah. Or like the, the cross around yeah, their neck crazy, swings the right way that it deflects yeah. a bullet. Um, Just.
1: It, and one grazed buck after ricocheting off the wall. So have has Clyde killed at least three people now? Because there was
0: the one. Oh, they've deputy. killed more than
1: that. Like I left out some of them. Oh, okay. But he's but yeah, he's murdering people. He, yeah, the and they've killed. I think at least five cops at this point. Oh, I think they eventually fuck. get up to like nine. Just cops. Jesus. Just cops. Yep. So the group escaped the police in Joplin but left behind most of their possessions at the apartment including Buck's parole papers which were only three weeks old. Oh my god. The parole system, especially in the day was a joke, right? A large arsenal of weapons, a handwritten poem by Bonnie, and a camera with several rolls of undeveloped film. A lot of the famous pictures you've seen of Bonnie and Clyde come specifically from these rolls of film oh where she's like clenching a cigar in her mouth and holding a gun and it's really funny because jones the guy that was traveling one of the guys that was traveling with him said that like and so it became a thing that bonnie smoked cigars and bonnie even like was like no i don't smoke cigars and jones had to come out and be like no it was my cigar she was just like holding it for the picture and jones was was a 16 year old right yeah so she was just posing with... The, but I, I get yeah, it's, it It's a badass picture because it's she's just like... She's biting down on the cigar and then she has like a gun in her hand.
0: Because like anyone who doesn't know how to send... Spoiler alert. They fucking die. Oh, yeah. So we don't have them to interview in the aftermath. Right. We just have these images. And especially a woman with a cigar holding a gun. Right.
1: Like that's sensational. There, there's some it's really itself. cool pictures. But yeah, that's what they said. It says, please develop the film and found many photos of Bonnie, Clyde, and Jones posing and pointing weapons at one another. I'll definitely put a bunch of them on the blog, so they're yeah. actually really cool. The Globe then sent the poem and the photos over the newswire, including a photo of Bonnie clenching a cigar in her teeth and a pistol in her hand. Um, the gang of criminals then made front-page news throughout America as the Barrow Gang. Because that was Clyde's last name. Of course, the gang's named after right. him, although he was killing a bunch of right. people. So. so so at the time, John Dillinger had the matinee idol good looks. Pretty Boy Floyd had, had the best possible nickname. And the Joplin photos introduced a new criminal superstar with the most titillating trademark of all, illicit sex. Ooh. Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker were wild and young and undoubtedly slept together. So they were a big hit with the public.
0: They were a sexy young couple having premarital sex and doing Well, not even crimes. premarital
1: that would be adulterous sex because she was still married true
0: true oh that's even more right. scandalous and sexy and i
1: love it the group ranged as far south as texas and as far no- north as minnesota for the next three months <gasps> Min okay so i almost covered someone else and minnesota if you don't know was like actually known as like a haven for gangsters because our police force was super corrupt and they would be like, hey, pay me money and I'll make sure you don't get caught. I was going to say it's like we have such a cool history. You can actually go up to the Twin Cities here and take like a trolley tour of all these old like famous hideouts and one of them's like a swing dance place in a cave because it used to be a bootleg. It's it's really cool. Minnesota has great gangster history. We there is a tour, like
0: you mentioned, up in Minneapolis that's all about gang history, and yeah. we should definitely do that
1: sometime. Like along Oh, long you t- have? Yeah, that's why I know about Where it. Where was I? I was like in high school. Well, you so should you were have probably just... also in high school. Well,
0: you should have just sensed my
1: energy and we found can go me. Again. They've, maybe they've updated <laughs> since I'm, I'm gone, sure they have. Right? We
0: did do the haunted trolley yeah, tour cool. in town, which was. I did not sleep for a couple nights after that. What that is, was you unsettling. you got jump scared. <laughs> well, it was mostly about the axe murder.
1: Right. I know. Not going to get into it. Email us if you really want to know. <laughs> Later. All right. So, as far north as Minnesota, in May, they tried to rob a bank in Lucerne, Indiana. Didn't do so well. Escaped and robbed a bank in Okabena, Minnesota. No idea where that is. Oh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> they kidnapped Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone in Ruston, Louisiana. In the course of stealing Darby's car, this was one of several events between 1932 and 1934 in which they kidnapped police officers or robbery victims. Jesus. They would usually release their hostages far from home. Sometimes they'd give them money to help them return home. So they didn't like kill their hostages or at least not all of them. It seems like it was all
0: very functional. Like they killed someone. I'm not justifying it, it, but if they had to kill someone, it seems like if anyone got in
1: their way. You were fair
0: game, but if you were like... Even
1: if you were a civilian.
0: Yeah, if it was like, okay, hey, man, take my car
1: and shit, whatever, they'd be like, okay, here's some cash for the bus. Literally my next thing. (laughs) Stories of such encounters made headlines, as did the more violent episodes. The Barrow gang did not hesitate to shoot anyone who got in their way, whether it was a police officer or an innocent civilian. Eventually, the cold-bloodedness of their murders opened the public eyes to the reality of their crime and led to their ends. So as I said, the photos entertained the public for a time. However, the gang, this made the gang desperate and disconcerted because they were famous now. Everyone could suddenly, their faces. Yeah, their their daily lives became significantly more different, different because they could no longer do restaurants or motels. So they ended up sleeping in their car, resorting to campfires, um, bathing in streams, like, you know, because they had to stay out of the public eye because people knew who they were now. The world's worst camp out. They also had a lot of trouble because, you know, it was five people riding in one car. So there was a lot of bickering. And eventually that led um, to Jones stealing one of the cars they had stole and just leaving the others in April um, and not coming back to join the gang until June. He just peaced out. He just left, but he came back.
0: He's like, you guys are being bitches. I'm Audi. Yeah.
1: Um. Shortly after he returned, um, Bonnie and Clyde were taking a drive together and Clyde did not see warning signs at a bridge under construction oh Jones was also in the car actually um this is near Wellington Texas and the car flipped into a ravine because <gasps> the bridge was under construction
0: how do you not see those signs they're so big and making so out orange with Bonnie. it's because <laughs> everything back then was in black yeah, exactly. and white
1: sources disagree <laughs> on whether there was a gasoline fire or if Um, Bonnie was doused with acid from the car's battery under the floorboards. Um, Whatever it was, she sustained third degree burns on her right leg so severe that the muscles contracted and caused the leg to draw up. Jones, who was also in the car, observed, quote, she'd been burned so bad none of us thought she was going to live. The hide on her right leg was gone from her hip down to her ankle. I could see bone at places, end quote.
0: Oh, my God god that is disgusting i knew she'd been like beaten up a lot during her criminal career but i did not know
1: acid burns were part of that cena doesn't really mention anything about like clyde being violent or anything like that like he didn't beat her up as far as we know at least in the stories i read that like specifically pertain to her no but that doesn't mean it didn't happen
0: yeah well, um, I, I mean, beat up just like in general, yeah. It was
1: a rough life, as oh, you yeah. mentioned. Especially at this point, when when they like can't go to, you know, hotels and they're sleeping in a car, and you know, that's rough. You know, at that point, what's the point of having all the money? Right, like you're robbing a bank. So the you thing get is, a thousand dollars. They they only robbed a few banks. They were traditionally more into robbing like mom and pop stores, where they'd only get like five to ten dollars each robbery. And I mean,
0: in today's money, that could be literally any amount above I know, 5 I sh- to $10. I, sh- I should have looked it up, but, but still, it's, not, like, a it's not a ton. It like, not be They weren't be a huge lot. bank robbers. Even if it was
1: $500, Ew. that's nothing. Yeah, so. um, So Bonnie could hardly walk and she either hopped on her good leg or was carried by Clyde. They got help from a nearby farm family, then kidnapped two local police officers. No, <laughs> The three of them rendezvous with... Buck and Blanche and hid in a tourist center near Fort Smith, Arkansas, nursing Parker's burns. However, Buck and Jones br- bungled a robbery and murdered Town Marshal Henry D. Humphrey in Alma, Arkansas, so the criminals had to flee despite par- despite Bonnie's condition.
0: No, you right? did not
1: murder a marshal. Like, you shouldn't murder <laughs> anyone, but... In... So, in July of 1933, the gang checked into the Red Crown Tourist Court. I don't know what a tourist court is. I assume it's like a hotel. Okay. South of Platte City, Missouri. It consisted of two brick cabins joined by garages, and the gang rented both. See, I just don't remember parts of my research. To the south was a very popular restaurant called the Red Town Cavern. Tavern, not cavern. And the gang seemed to almost want to draw attention to themselves. Blanche had registered the party as three guests. However, the owner noticed five people getting out of the car because there's five of them. Um, he also noted that the driver backed into the garage, gangster style, quote, for a quick getaway. Oh, I get like, it. Where they back in versus pull in. Um, he,
0: it sounds like they're getting to the fuck it moment where they're like, I don't even care
1: anymore. Right.
0: Like, if I live, if I die, whatevs. Right. He
1: also noted the ah, uh, the oddity that Blanche paid for their cabins with coins rather than bills. She did the same thing later when buying five dinners and five beers again with coins. So the modern equivalent of paying for your hotel stay in cash.
0: Yeah. Like it's a little fishy.
1: The next day, the owner noticed that his guests had taped newspapers over the window of their cabin and again, Blanche paid for five meals with coins. Her outfit was a japur ja- riding breeches, which also attracted attention. They're, like, they're like high-waisted pants. Women wearing pants. People cannot they're, they're deal very, with it. They're very, like, fancy pants. Right. But still, people cannot deal with it. Right. But her outfit was so atypical for the area that eyewitnesses still remembered them 40 years later. Jeez. So they were that, like, out of the ordinary. So the, the owner of this place where they were, told Captain William Baxter of the Highway Patrol, who was a patron of his restaurant, about the group. If you also, see something, say something, man. Right? Also Clyde and Jones went into town to purchase bandages, crackers, cheese, and atropine sulfate to treat Parker or to treat Bonnie's legs. The druggist also contacted the county sheriff, Holt Kofi, who put the cabins under surveillance. Kofi had been alerted by Oklahoma, Texas and Arkansas law enforcement to watch for strangers seeking such supplies. Because I'm sure they, you know. Well, I'm sure they they knew knew that there had been an accident. The sheriff contacted Captain Baxter, who was the other person that the restaurant had contacted, Mm -hmm. um, who called in reinforcements from Kansas City, including an armored car. Sheriff Coffey led a group of officers toward the cabins at 11 p.m. armed with Thompson machine guns. However, in the gunfight which ensued, the 45 caliber Thompson proved no match for the the bar rifle that Clyde had. It's as effective as a, of a machine gun? No. No.
0: It's as effective of a gun as it is as a broom. No, that doesn't make sense either. <laughs> I just keep blow it keeps blowing my mind that I thought that he was cleaning his apartment and accidentally it's discharge his gun. So much Are you wine. you just
1: drinking right out of the bottle now. I kind of am. Okay. Well, what else are we going to do with This is that? the best part. The gang escaped when a bullet short-circuited the horn on the armored car, and the police officers the police officers mistook it for a ceasefire signal, so they did not pursue the retreating barrel vehicle. What? Yep. Okay. Okay. Apparently, wh- apparently, horns used to be the ceasefire noise. Okay, but here, let me unpack this.
0: Even if they were like, okay, ceasefire, we're done. Wouldn't them leaving the area be like a, maybe they're like just leaving? I don't know. Like a ceasefire, you think it's like hands up, okay, we're done, take us in. It's not like,
1: hey, ceasefire, we're going to peace out. Right. Jeez. (laughs) So the gang had evaded the law once again, obviously, but Buck had sustained a bullet wound that blasted a large hole in his forehead, skull bone, and exposed his injured brain. And Blanche, his wife, was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both of her eyes. Oh, my God. That's so graphic. The gang camped by Dexfield Park, an abandoned amusement park near Dexter, Iowa, um, on July 24th. Buck was sometimes semi-conscious, and he was even talking and ate, but his massive head wound and loss of blood were so severe that Clyde and Jones dug a grave for him.
0: Hey, man, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, buddy, you're going to be you're fine. fine. You're fine. You're fine. It's fine. Dig, <laughs> Lo- dig, Local dig. residents
1: noticed their bloody bandages and, you know, the fact that there were like the clearly brain seeping people. out. <laughs> um, and officers determined that this the campers were the Barrow Gang, local police officers, and approximately a hundred spectators. People came to watch. What? Surrounded the group and they soon came under fire. Clyde, Bonnie, and Jones escaped on foot. Buck, already injured, was shot in the back and he and his wife were captured by the officers. Buck died of his head wound and pneumonia after surgery five days later. So, this is the guy who had
0: brain seeping yep. out of his skull and his blinded wife. Yep. Oh,
1: my God. For the next six weeks, Bonnie, Clyde, and Jones ranged far afield again. They went west to Colorado, they went north to Minnesota again, southeast to Mississippi. Um, but they continued to commit armed robberies. They restocked their arsenal when Clyde and Jones robbed an armory in Platteville, in L- Illinois, acquiring three more bars, ha- a few handguns, and a large quantity of ammunition. God. So they're, you know, getting, getting ready for something. They should have fucking laid low. Right. They really should have. But... I-
0: You don't have a job. You don't have references. Like, this this is literally all they're doing.
1: By early September, they risked a run to Dallas to see their families for the first time in four months. Oh, God. Jones parted company with them, continuing to Houston, where his mother had moved. He was arrested there without incident on November 16th and returned to Dallas. So he's kind of out of the picture. That was like uh, Clyde's 16-year-old cousin who had been hanging out with them. For a while now. Through the autumn, Clyde committed several robberies with small-time local accomplices. accomplices, While his family and Bonnie's attended to her considerable medical needs, yeah. On November twenty-second, they narrowly they narrowly evaded arrest while trying to meet with family members near Sowers, Texas. Dallas Sheriff Smoot Schmid. Not kidding. Mm. (laughs) What? Smoot Schmid. Smoot. Smoot Schmid. Schmid. That sounds like a mispronunciation a sheriff. Sheriff. when we're drunk. Smoot Schmid. Sheriff Schmoot Schmid. Deputy Schmid. Bob Alcorn and Fuck. Deputy Ted Hinton lay in wait nearby. As Clyde drove up, he sensed a trap and drove past his family's car, at which point Schmid and his deputy stood up and opened fire with machine guns and a bar. The family members in the crossfire were not hit, but a bar bullet. Passed through the car, striking the legs of both both Bonnie and Clyde. Ugh, gross. Right? So they're sitting in a car and a bullet just rips through both their legs. Right. Ew. So, in November 28, a Dallas grand jury delivered a murder indictment against Bonnie and Clyde for the murder in January of that year of Tarrant County De- Deputy Malcolm Davis, so one of the cops they had killed. This was... This was Bonnie's first warrant for murder. So their gang has killed
0: a bunch of people at this this point.
1: But this is Bonnie's first indictment, first warrant. But he's been indicted. He's been like... I mean, he's been in jail several times.
0: I'm like, like, are you just taking notice, guys? He's killed a
1: ton of cops. Like, come on. I think they're just... Just noticing her involvement kind of a thing, okay. you know, probably were like, eh, she probably is not doing anything. You now they're like, eh, maybe she is. There's
0: been this lady that's been present at all these murders. Maybe she has something to do with it.
1: On January 16th, um, Clyde decided to break out several other East Ham prisoners. See, he just has this thing against that jail. He just
0: keeps going. He has no chill oh, yeah. whatsoever. Right.
1: So Clyde... Clyde orchestrated the escape of Raymond Hamilton, Henry Methvin, and several others. The brazen raid generated negative publicity for Texas, and Clyde seemed to have achieved <laughs> achieved what historian Phillips suggests was his overriding goal, revenge on the Texas Department of Corrections. Because
0: that's where he was raped, right? Uh
1: yeah. And I mean, he was just in and out I think, yeah. most of his life. I mean, like, I kind of get it, but dude, don't. Right. Um, One of the escapees shot Major Joe Crossan during his escape, and and he died a few days later. Um, This attack attracted the full power and might of Texas and the federal government in the manhunt for Bonnie and Clyde. They finally, like, fully balled up for this. As Crossan struggled for life, prison chief Lee Simmons reportedly promised him that all persons involved in the breakout would be hunted down and killed. Rolling down I was gonna say something, but I, I'm gonna skip that part. So the Texas Department of Corrections contacted former Texas Ranger Captain Frank Homer or Hammer. There's only one M. Homer Hammer. And persuaded him to hunt down the Barrow Gang. He was retired, but his commission had not expired. <clears throat> he accepted the assignment as a Texas Highway Patrol Officer, secondarily assigned to the prison system as a special investigator and given the specific tasks of hunting down Bonnie, Clyde, and the rest of the Barrow Gang. On Easter Sunday, 1934, um, Clyde and Methvin, one of the men he helped escape, killed highway patrolman H.D. Murphy and Edward Bryant Reeler at the intersection of Route 114 and Dove Road near Grapevine, Texas, which is now South Lake, just in case you're wondering.
0: If you live in that area, right? that's important to you. For There's everyone actually else a, we're like a cool. stone.
1: No, that's not where the stone is. Never mind. There's a stone where they died, where they, really? yeah. Interesting. An eyewitness account said that Clyde and Bonnie fired the fatal shots, and this story got widespread coverage because before it was discredited. Uh, Methvin later admitted that he fired the first shot after assuming that Clyde wanted the officers killed. He also said that Bonnie approached the dying officers intending to help them not to administer the coup de grace as described by the discredited eyewitnesses. Wait. I'm sorry. I need a backup okay, for a moment. So H.D. Murphy and Edward Bryant Wheeler were killed. They were cops. They were cops. Okay. Highway patrolmen. An eyewitness said that it was Bonnie and Clyde that did the final blows. However, Methvin, which was one of the other gang members, said, Who no, was I shot first. Okay. And Bonnie approached them to help them, not to give them the final blow. Okay. And so- eventually the eyewitness was discredited. But not before the story got widespread in the news.
0: Okay, so everyone thought Bonnie and Clyde had killed these killed these two highway patrolmen. Yep. But one of the members or one of the criminals that right. Clyde had broken out of the prison killed them, admitted to it. But the story that Bonnie By and Clyde had point, committed yep. the murders already got out. Um, okay. It's,
1: it's actually long been assumed that Bonnie was asleep in the back seat when the shooting started and took no part at all in the assault. However, during that spring season, the grapevine killings were recounted many times in exaggerated detail, affecting the public perception of of how they viewed Bonnie and Clyde. All four Dallas Daily Papers seized on the story told by the eyewitness, a farmer who claimed to have seen Bonnie laugh at the patrolman, at patrolman Murphy's head, as it bounced, quote, bounced like a rubber ball on the ground as she shot him. The stories claimed that police found a cigar butt with tiny teeth marks, supposedly those of Parker. Several days later, Murphy's fiancé, so one of the guys that got killed, wore her intended wedding dress to her, to his funeral, attra- oh. attra- attracting photos and newspaper coverage. The eyewitness's ever-changing story was soon discredited, but the massive negative pub- publicity increased the public clamor for the extermination of the Barrow Gang. The outcry galvanized the authorities into a- action... And the Highway Patrol offered a thousand dollars for the dead bodies of the Grapevine Slayer, not captures. Their bodies. Yeah, like these people need to fucking die. That's one of the reasons
0: I'm so glad you're covering Bonnie Parker because there's so much myth associated right. with Bonnie and Clyde. Like we don't. It's like how do we even know what happened at right. this point? Because there's so much
1: g- bullshit on top exactly. of what actually happened. Texas Governor Ma Ferguson added another $500 for each of the two killers, which meant that for the first time, there was a specific price on Bonnie's head since she was widely to b- believed to have shot H.D. Murphy, even so though she didn't. She's kind of been this
0: passive accomplice all this time, but now the story that she's murdered someone gets around and it's and like, like all right, she you... needs to fucking die yeah, They're too. like,
1: they're like, obviously she's just as culpable as the rest of them.
0: I mean... They're not entirely wrong. Like right. she's
1: been in this gang that's been killing people. Like um, public hostility increased again five days later when Clyde and Methvin murdered 60-year-old constable William Kale Campbell, Campbell. Sorry, a widow widower and father near Com- Commerce, Oklahoma. They then also kidnapped Commerce police chief Pier- Percy Boyd, crossed the state lines into Kansas, and let him go. Giving him a clean shirt, a few dollars, and a request from Parker, from Bonnie, to tell the world that she did not smoke cigars. (laughs) She's so sick of the fucking mess. She's like, I hate cigars. It was for a
0: dumb fucking picture. Right. That's like if you pose with something for your Facebook profile picture. Like if you pose with a can of Coke and everyone's like, that bitch only drinks
1: Coke. And you're like, I "I love Pepsi. It's just the Coke can was there. It had my name on it. I don't fucking know. Right. Um, so Boyd, when he you know got back to civilization, <laughs> identified both Bonnie and Clyde to the authorities, but he d- he never learned Methvin's name, so was unable to identify him. The resultant arrest warrant for the the Campbell murder specified Clyde Barrow, Bonnie Parker, and John Doe because they didn't know his name. Okay. His historian Knight writes, quote. For the first time, Bonnie is seen as a killer, actually pulling the trigger, just like Clyde. Whatever chance she had for clemency had just been reduced. She kind of eliminated
0: her, like, I'm a woman, spare me credibility, which is sexist, but whatever. The
1: Dallas Journal even ran a cartoon on its editorial page showing an empty electric chair with a sign on it saying reserved, adding the words Clyde and Bonnie.
0: Ooh.
1: Bonnie and Clyde were killed on May 23rd, 1934, on a rural road in Bainville Parish, Louisiana. So Hammer ended up assembling like a six-man posse. It was two Texas police officers, two marshals, and then two whatever he was. Like other law enforcement Other law enforcement. officials. Um, so on May 21st, the four of the posse members, the four from Texas, because the other two were like federal were in Shreveport, Louisiana when they learned that Bonnie and Clyde were to go to Beanville Parish that evening with Methvin. Clyde had designated the residence of Methvin's parents as a rendezvous in case they had separated, and Methvin did get separated from them in Shrevepoint. The full posse, so all six, set up an ambush at the rendezvous point along Louisiana State Highway 154 south of Gibsland towards Sales. Hinton recounted that the group was in place by 9 p.m. and waited through the whole day with no sign of the perpetrators. Other accounts said the officers didn't set up until the evening of the 22nd. So they either spent a whole day there or mm, the night. But they were hanging out. Yeah. They were chilling. At approximately 9.15 a.m. on May 23rd, the posse, who was still concealed in the bushes, and almost ready to concede defeat when they heard Barrows' stolen Ford V8 approaching at a high speed. Oh, shit. Their official report was that Clyde stopped to speak with Methvin's father, who had been planted there with his truck that morning, to distract Clyde and force him into the lane closer to the officers. The lawmen opened fire, killing Bonnie and Clyde while shooting about 130 rounds. Oakley fired first, probably before any order to do so. Clyde was killed instantly by Oakley's headshot, but Hinton reported hearing Parker scream as she realized that Clyde was dead before the shooting began in oh, her direction. no. The officers emptied all of their weapons at the car. Nearly any of their wounds would have been fatal, yet the two had survived many bullets over the years in their confrontations with the law.
0: And acid burns. Let's right. not forget that. Driving a- off of a bridge. According to the
1: statements made by Hinton and Alcorn, so two of the officers that were in the posse, each of us had, each of us six officers had a shotgun and an automatic rifle and pistols. We opened fire with the automatic rifles. They were emptied before the car even got to us. Then we used the shotguns and there was smoke coming out of the car and it looked like it was on fire. After shooting the shotguns, we emptied the pistols at the car, which had passed us and ran into a ditch about 50 yards down the road. It almost turned over, but we kept shooting at the car even after it stopped because we weren't taking any chances.
0: So it was basically, I assume Clyde was probably driving. He was. Yep. Okay. And so he was killed by
1: the first bullet.
0: He was killed immediately, but the car kind of coasted Down further the road, and, and they then, yeah. kept shooting at yep. it.
1: Yep. Oh, they my literally God. emptied it sounds like four guns each into this car. Jeez.
0: Like, I mean, here's the thing. That sounds like overkill, but they've also killed a
1: ton of cops. Right. Like, yeah. So here's more stuff. Officially, the coroner report listed 17 separate entrance wound on Clyde's body and 26 on, on Bonnie, including several headshots on each of them, and one that snapped Clyde's spinal column. Ugh, I'm grossed out. Undertaker CF Boots, Bailey, had difficulty embalming the bodies because of all the bullet holes. However, re- more modern-day researchers have found that they were each shot more than 50 times. So it was more extreme than the initial... Yes.
0: Di- what was reported not diagnoses but coroner's report yep. oh shit so yep. they were probably trying to be like whoa we maybe shot too many times let's tone that shit down right Jeez. um
1: the officers deafened by all the noise still still went and inspected the vehicle and discovered the arsenal of weapons including automatic rifles sawed off semi-shotguns and assorted handguns along with thousands of rounds of ammunition, along with 15 sets of license plates from various states that makes sense. That's right. a smart criminal move. Yep. <laughs> Hammer, the leader of the posse, stated, quote, I hate to bust the cap on a woman, especially when she was sitting down. However, if it wouldn't have been her, it would have been us. End quote. Word of the death, the death quickly got around when Hammer, Jordan, Oakley, and Hinton drove into town to telephone their respective bosses. A crowd soon gathered at the spot where the car was. Galt and Alcorn were left to guard the bodies, but they lost control of the jostling cur- curious thong wrong i was like (laughs) a very curious thong approached the car and was like i made of lace i'm gonna check this out here's the part that makes me squirm one woman cut off bloody locks of parker's hair and pieces from her dress which were subsequently sold as souvenirs no hinton returned to to find a man trying to cut off barrow's trigger finger and was sickened by what was occurring ew arriving arriving at the scene the coroner said that he saw the following nearly everyone had begun collecting souvenirs such as shell casings slivers of glass from the shattered car windows and bloody pieces of clothing from the garments of bonnie and clyde one eager man had opened his pocket knife and was reaching into the car to cut off clyde's left ear no the coroner, the coroner enlisted hammer for help controlling the circus-like atmosphere and got people away from the car
0: they then i'm i'm sorry to interrupt I'm not surprised, it's but still, I'm still disgusted. Still makes me go, hang, like hang, I don't know if you've heard of the the Charlie Lawson murders. Basically, long story short, <laughs> this guy murdered his entire oh, family yeah. on his farm, okay? And afterwards The surviving members of the family set up the house as like a a morbid museum and people got to tour and there was a cake sitting on the counter that had raisins on it and they had to put a glass cover over the cake because people were taking the raisins. Like this souvenir morbid murderbilia bullshit has always been
1: around and it still grosses me out. Yeah. So they, tow- they towed the Ford with the dead body still inside mm. to the Conger Furniture Store and Funeral Parlor.
0: Furniture store. Apparently, that and was a common parlor. thing for a
1: fun- for them to be like a linked thing. I don't know.
0: Where'd you get that couch? It's so cute! Oh, I got it at the
1: funeral parlor. You know, right. the population of the northwest Louisiana town reportedly swelled from two thousand to twelve thousand within hours. Curious throngs arrived by train, horseback, buggy, and plane. Beer normally sold for 15 cents a bottle, jumped up to 25 cents, and sandwiches quickly sold out. Henry Barrow identified his son's body, then sat weeping in a rocking chair in the furniture section. Ugh. In the furniture section.
0: <laughs> he was on this cute little love seat. It no, he sold was in a rocking 10 chair. sold minutes
1: later. <laughs> uh, Bonnie and Clyde wished to be buried side by side. However, Bonnie's family would not allow it. Her mother wanted to grant her final wish to be brought home, but the mobs surrounding the Parker house made that impossible. More than 20,000 people attended Bonnie's funeral, and her family had difficulty reaching her gravesite. Her services were held on May 26th, um, and Dr. Alan Campbell recalled that flowers came from everywhere, including some with cards allegedly from Pretty Boy Floyd and John Dillinger. The largest floral tribute was sent by a group of Dallas City newsboys. Due to the sudden end of Bonnie and Clyde, which sold 500,000 newspapers in Dallas alone.
0: So they're basically like, oh, Banks. thanks for helping us sell right. all these newspapers with your criminality and death. We're so sad to see you go. Right. That's kind of fucked.
1: She was buried in Fish Trap Cemetery, although she was later moved in 1954 to New Crown Hill Cemetery in Dallas. So that's she didn't home. That's a nicer name than Fish Trap. Right? Bonnie that's Parker's fucked. grave is inscribed, quote... As the flowers are all made sweeter by the sunshine and the dew, so this world is made brighter by the lives of folks like you, end quote. That's sad. That's sad.
0: It seems like her family's really trying to remember her as she was before she got into a horribly abusive relationship and
1: then just completely went off the deep end. So legacy. By the summer of 1934, so like... I think it was just a few years, a year later, new federal statutes made bank robbery and kidnapping federal offenses. (laughs) The growing coordination of local authorities by the FBI plus two-way radios and police cars combined to make it more difficult to carry out a series of robberies and murders than it had been before. Two months after the shooting of Bonnie and Clyde, Dillinger was killed on a street in Chicago. Three months after that, Pretty Boy Floyd was killed in Ohio. And one month after that, Babyface Nelson was killed in Illinois. Damn! So it was... The end of the gangster era, yeah. Because
0: a lot, some of those gang gangsters were seen as almost Robin Hood esque figures, like John Dillinger. He would yep. pass out money to the people in the bank that he was robbing. Like, hey, you want a hundred bucks? Go for All it, right. man. I um, see you.
1: So Jones, who had left, Bonnie and Clyde gotten arrested, six, yeah. He eventually reached Houston and got a job picking cotton. So he must have gotten off somehow where he was soon discovered and captured again. Oh, no. And then he was returned to Dallas. Okay. So once in Dallas, he dictated a confession, unsexy finger (laughs) quote, in which he claimed to have been kept a prisoner by Bonnie and Clyde. Some of the more lurid lurid lies that he told concerned the gang's sex life. And this testimony gave rise to many stories about Clyde's ambiguous sexuality. Jones. So so he was like. He was like, oh, they kidnapped me. And they were this like sex riddled gang, and he was by, and he
0: had sex yeah. with men and right. women, and using LGBTQ plus people as a weapon to save himself. Exactly, jo- Dude, Jones was you. still
1: convicted of the of murders, but served a lenient sentence of only fifteen years. He later gave an interview to Playboy magazine, saying what? saying that in in reality the gangster life had not been glamorous. He was killed on August fourth in a misunderstanding by a jealous boyfriend of a woman whom he was trying to help. Oh shit! Yep. So Methvin, the other the guy that was actually with them, the guy with the most criminal name, right? with the word meth in it, was convicted in Oklahoma of of the 1934 mor- murders of Con- Constance Campbell and Commerce. However, so he got a much lighter sentence because his father helped. Remember, because his dad was the one that distracted Clyde when he drove by. Oh, so So he only got he only got accused of the Constable murders, the Grapevine murders, which like made them really infamous. They kind of just were like, okay, fine, we'll say he wasn't there.
0: And that was the one where
1: he killed the person, but but everyone was like, "Oh, Bonnie did it." Yep. What the fuck? So he was paroled in 1942. So he served less than ten years and then mm. was killed by a train in 1948. Okay. He fell asleep drunk on the train tracks, although some have speculated that maybe he was pushed on by someone seeking revenge.
0: I was going to say, like how likely is it that you get drunk and happen to fall asleep on some train tracks and then a train comes and runs your ass over? Bonnie's
1: husband, <laughs> Roy Thornton was <laughs> was sentenced to five years in prison for burglary in 1933 And he was killed by guards on October 3rd, 1937 during an escaped attempt from East Ham prison. So East Ham farm. Sorry.
0: Everyone involved came to some dark shitty end.
1: Their car, the bullet riddled Ford, has become a popular traveling attraction. It's been displayed at fairs, amusement parks and flea markets for three decades and has become a fixture at a Nevada racetrack. There used to be a charge of $1 to sit in it. Yeah. Um and it was sold sold between casinos after being displayed in Las Vegas Car Museum in the nineteen eighties. Um it is now housed hold on I gotta scroll back up. So the car and the shirt that Clyde was wearing when he died um have been displayed at Whiskey Pete's Casino in Prim Nevada since twenty eleven.
0: I was going to say, I think I saw something like that on Mysteries
1: at the Museum or some kind of travel channel, right. history channel show. Also something that came of their legacy. Um, the American National Insurance Company of Galveston paid the insurance policy in full on Bonnie and Clyde. Since then, the policy of payouts has been changed to exclude payouts in cases of deaths caused by criminal activity. So it's like... If you have an
0: insurance policy you, on someone who's wanted and they get killed in a police. shootout by You're the police. You're not getting insurance
1: money from them.
0: So rethink taking out an insurance policy on your criminal husband so, yeah, or wife or partner. That was a
1: lot of Clyde and other people, but I hope I got enough of Bonnie's story in there to be worth it.
0: Well, it's, it's really interesting because you can kind of see the elements in which her womanliness protected her for a bit yeah for a bit until
1: she was falsely yeah until there was an eyewitness who was like nah i saw her kill someone and then they were everyone was like oh okay she's killing people yeah like
0: it was like oh well you know she's just there and then someone
1: Falsely right. said it she was like, murdered someone. Oh look, someone. she's cute with her little cigar and pistol. Aww, you know. and then
0: even use that detail to try to implicate her. In and that she murder. specifically told someone, "She's like, tell people I don't smoke cigars." Yeah, that's so fascinating. Wow. Yeah, I'm really glad you told that story because there's
1: so much myth around Bonnie and Clyde. Right. And For and some like, reason, I thought they like drove their car off a cliff into a ravine. Oh, but that might just be the ending of a movie. I mean, it it is the ending of a movie. That did happen to them. He drove his car off that bridge. But for some reason, I thought that's like they I thought they committed suicide. Oh, I thought they died by suicide, not by getting shot more times than is necessary in any circumstance.
0: I learned some new ta- details about their death, but their death was pretty much what I thought it would be because I know they got
1: just shot to hell like, in a terrible. car. But and there's a monument. I saw there's a pit. Like it sounds like this is where Bonnie and Clyde were... I'm like that's weird. I don't. I know it was. Technically it was like the be patrol a officers that like paid to put it. Yeah, there, yeah.
0: but it's like no, it's a, a monument, a landmark.
1: Yeah, almost okay. like hey, this
0: otherwise undescript field really and stretch weird. of road is where this insane thing happened.
1: I'm just like, Oh, it's so gross to be like reaching into the car and like cutting off. I just spit all over my microphone, cutting off her hair and like cutting pieces of their clothing off. Like that's, there are pictures online too. Like as I was reading the story of people like, yeah, holding the shirt Clyde died in mm. and like the hat he was wearing when he got shot. And you can see like the bullet hole that probably killed him. Ugh. And then, of course, there's, like, the I won't put these on the blog, but there's, like, pictures of, like, them being brought to the morgue, and they're, like, just, like,
0: covered in blood. There's reasons Kelly and I didn't do a true crime podcast, because, honestly, I can't deal with that week after week. But I actually have kind of a uh, personal story connection, Six Degrees of Separation story relating to Bonnie and Clyde. So... I have two grandfathers. One As most do. lived in, uh, the e- on the East Coast, and he has a relation to Lucky Luciano, Email us if you want to hear that story. It's kind of cool. But my paternal grandfather grew up in the Midwest, and he and a school chump were walking to school one day, and they saw this car parked outside of a bank, and they thought it was kind of weird because the bank didn't open for like another hour or something, and there was a man and a woman in the car, and they're like, that's weird, shrug, let's go to school. Yep. And later that day they learned that exact bank had been robbed By Bonnie and, and it was Bonnie and Clyde. So basically my paternal grandfather saw Bonnie and Clyde before they robbed before the bank or
1: just after they robbed it, the bank.
0: It must have been just before cuz they were just sitting in the car. Oh, yeah probably. But it was it's kind of one of those cool that's crazy. stories and, I mean, that i always come to. I did say they
1: ranged as far as Minnesota, twice at least. I want to say this
0: was in Illinois hmm. or Wisconsin. But, but I can't I'm saying quite like, remember. they
1: obviously came this far north if they came to Minnesota. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna clink the glass as I take chugs out of it. Wow. You're a stronger woman than I. I'm getting a ride home from someone who's sober. So that's why I'm a stronger woman right now. So
1: we're in my house. <laughs>
0: yeah but <laughs> you have a wedding tomorrow
1: yeah I that you I forgot about. Just that. remembered she, she might listen to the podcast. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret.
0: So Kelly now is the favorite part yeah, of our podcast. What are you thankful for?
1: I'm thankful for our podcast and having time to... Like learn things and then get to share them with, you know, like my best friend. That's that's just it's it's something I never thought I'd get to experience. And it's it's really rewarding, like whether we become famous or whether no one listens to our podcast. I really don't care. Well, I do care. I want people to listen to it. But regardless, I enjoy doing this with you. So even if we stay at 14 listeners, whoever you are, I love you. But even if we stay at 14 listeners for as long as we do this, I'm okay with that because I I have fun doing this with you.
0: I 100% agree. First of all, I'm going to cry. Give me a moment. But second of all, I was at work today and my coworker asked me, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, well, I'm recording with my friend. Oh my God. Let me tell you about the woman I'm covering. And I I went on this whole tirade about Diamond Annie and I was... It was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, I didn't realize how much I retained from that research, and oh, how much like, I retained from all
1: the women we women we've covered. Right? Like, we're so much better now because I used to just be like that one woman, but now I'm like, oh, this specific person. Core, you know, like, yeah, it's it's really cool. I love. And here's the thing:
0: part of this podcast was just because we wanted to learn more about women from history, right? Who no one had heard of. Most people hadn't heard of. But it's a great way for us to stay in touch. We're forced to hang out, which we want to do, but like <laughs>
1: scheduling
0: is yeah, hard. Life,
1: life is hard, isn't it? Life oh. is hard. So this way, you know, no matter what it means, weekly, we get to see each other. We can bitch about our week, you know, and then, yeah, sometimes we podcast and that's it. But we're at least getting that interaction and in face-to-face time where we're like, Hey, my week has been shit. Let me tell you about this before we go on podcast. And I feel
0: really bad about that because I feel like every week I'm like, let me tell you how shitty my week
1: has been. But See, I'm okay with that because I feel like it helps you. And it's like that release of being able to tell someone.
0: I literally like if I drew a picture of a face on a wall, that would probably be enough just to feel heard. But I really appreciate you listening to my bullshit.
1: I appreciate listening to my bullshit too.
0: So I'm really thankful this week. I'm going to say my boyfriend, but for a very specific reason. So if you're a longtime listener, you know my boyfriend is a disabled veteran. And I help him with his meds, making appointments, just kind of typical caregiver stuff. And I tried to call the VA today to make two appointments. Very basic thing if you're not dealing with the VA. So I got transferred to the Minneapolis VA, first of all. And then they had to transfer me back to my local VA. And the local VA told me, oh, we don't make appointments. You need to call the Minneapolis VA. And at one point, someone couldn't even hear me on the phone. It was like some weird phone bullshit that I couldn't even have anticipated. It was just like- They just kept bouncing you around. The horrible cherry on the- on the crap Sunday. So, long story short, I was getting bounced around for a long time with everyone being like, We can't help you. I'm just trying to make an appointment. Okay. Right. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. And it ended with me leaving a voicemail saying, basically, Please call me back. I'm just trying to make an appointment. Here's my phone number. But, like, insert horrible sobs because I was crying. I was so frustrated.
1: (laughs) I could see that. I would be, too.
0: And my boyfriend was outside. I texted him, can you please come inside? And he comes inside, and I am sobbing. I am a disaster. And I basically cried at him for, like, 10, 20 minutes. Just, like, I'm so tired. I'm so frustrated. And he just held me. And he was supportive. And he's sweet. He's like, I appreciate everything everything you do i love you and just having someone there for me in a moment where i was like i just kind of wish i could die right that would be great right now and i really appreciate him because i i really try to be the strong person for him because i know he struggles with a lot ptsd is a bitch So for him to be able to step up and be there for me meant so much to me. And I'm so thankful for him. Also, his mom's in town, as I mentioned in our last episode. She listened to the podcast because I told her about the Emily wine. And she listened with her friend. And they just kind of skipped through to different parts. But they found us. And her friend was like, oh, she's got a bit of a potty mouth. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, with my boyfriend's mom, I obviously am not as
1: liberal with the oh, I know. swearing. My, my mom said that when she listened to oh, our episode God. about her. <laughs> She's like, you guys swear a lot. I'm like, mom, I swear a lot all the time, just not when
0: you're here. My mom said the same thing when I had her listen to when I told the story about her yep. for our Mother's Day episode. I'm like, yeah, well, we get a little loose. We drink some wine. And know. it's very frustrating how, you know, these women have to claw their way through life just because they're women. And we express that. But I thought it was very sweet that she was like, I'm going to connect with you through this thing that you've
1: talked about. She's like, about. I'm never going to listen to it again now. I'm never
0: going to listen to it
1: again because I, I like don't that, know who you are. I like that She,
0: that she told you she like cherry picked parts. Like. Well, she was hanging out with a friend. She's in town, yeah. you know, kind of hitting her bases with a bunch of different people. So I don't think they had time to listen to a whole episode, but I was like, I was so embarrassed. I was like, I thought I was going to talk about this podcast in a very abstract sense. In the way you were never going to listen listen to it. it. (laughs) Appreciate the listen, though. Yes. So I'm I'm thankful for my boyfriend for being there for me. And I'm also thankful
1: to my kind of pseudo mother-in-law. And now she knows to listen. Not with other people. Yes. <laughs> kind of like how my sister discovered she can't listen to it around her children. Yeah. So, um,
0: <laughs> Lori, Carol, I'm very sorry. I'm trying to rein it in a little bit. I'm not. <laughs> this is for us, okay? <laughs> but overall, I'm thankful to have people in my life who support me and care about me. And I acknowledge how important that is and how much it means to me. And not everyone gets that. so Right.
1: Thank I feel like I need to just like start doing some research as to what's going on in the world that I can be thankful for. Cause I feel like I'm just always like, this is my little personal bubble and this is what I'm thankful for. And I feel like I just repeat the same like four things over and over again. Think about it this way. There is so
0: much going on in the world in which we really don't have a lot of control over. That's true. The rainforest set on fire. I didn't light the match. I, I have yes, no, yes, I feel I, like, I have you no control. Did you say you know I was there?
1: Yeah. I said yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. I know you were there. No,
0: but you course. know we have so little control over stuff in our lives. So finding the things to be grateful for in our immediate sphere, I think, is very important. That's true. We're we're not trying to be complacent to the bigger issues that maybe don't directly affect us, but I think it's very important to acknowledge what you can be thankful for in your immediate sphere. You know, because in, in the big picture. There's not
1: always a lot to be thankful right. for. And that's another thing, you know, instead of if you have something you're thankful for, you know, maybe we can add those in at the end, too, instead of just, like, say their names. Like, if you have, like, hey, I'm really thankful that so-and-so did this for me. Like, we'll throw your thanks in here, too, and then maybe I won't have to do them anymore. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Email us whatever. Just will read us. it. Who... Who
0: the hell cares? This is our podcast.
1: (laughs) We can do whatever we want. I read every email we get.
0: Also, I know we got an email recently with a bunch of requests, including
1: like Boudicca and people. They're on our lists. They're on our list. I was going to say, Boudicca, I know. The only one we might not cover is Catherine the Great. I think that was on the list. Mainly because she is kind of popular. I might look into it to see if there's like an angle I could maybe do. To be like, oh, this is like lesser known things about her. If we get a ton of requests for Catherine the Great, I well, mean, she fucking was a badass do lady. Don't like, I might do her anyways. Yeah, but, but yeah, d- we will get to your requests. They are on our lists. We just have to do our spooky episodes first. Yes, October is for
0: bad babes. All right, not good people. Anyway. This has been another episode of Whining About History. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHpod.
1: I totally thought you were just going to do our sign off and forget about all this.
0: <laughs> Twitter I, I'm
1: on top of- Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. And our website is just whiningaboutherstory.com. Because we're the only whitey about her and I'm shocked no one thought of that title before. We're just awesome. We are. So yeah, hit us up. I mean, there's a contact form on our website too. If for some reason you don't want to email, that'll send us an email from the contact form. Five stars wherever you listen. It's super
0: helpful, and we, ha- it'll we give have you like the one. one we have like one
1: review. So I would love you if We've you gave got us- like three no, reviews.
0: We, yeah we because we have two on Facebook. Yes anyway thank you so much for listening to whining about history. i'm emily i'm kelly and have an empowered day
1: and a spooky october and a spooky october bye, bye.